you know, where we're at at this moment, I'm gonna, we're going to be starting to read in Malachi 3.13. But in the last time we met, we just see again that the longest, the, the longest reproof he gave them in this, in this short book is here in chapter 3. And it talks about the, the tithes and the offerings. And we, did, and we talked about that. We're not under the tithe now. You know, but Christians now, it's very obvious, you know, we're, you know, we're to remember the Lord in our giving and we're to give generously and give from the heart, but not under compulsion. And the tithes there were the taxes, but it was another way of them showing their disrespect, their disregard, their disdain for God and for others. Because those tithes and those offerings were used to take care of the priest, to take care of God's house and to take care of the poor among them. And to also, you know, to celebrate and have their, you know, national feast. So in all these things we see we see in that and we see in the in the fact that their worship was in vain and and they disdained the Lord. And a lot of it was because right they didn't believe he loved them. You know, we remember that from chapter 1. It's really it's interesting you know what started off in chapter 1 the first thing he said to him, you know, I have loved you. And they say, well, how have you loved us? So the fact is, right, that they didn't believe God loved them, and it's obvious by, you know, the disdain they showed of the Lord and his ways that they didn't love him. But obviously if they don't love, you know, if they don't love him, they're not going to love one another. They're not going to show love unto one another. And God tells in this word, right, if you love me, keep my commandments. And tells us again, to, to the apostles, before they were as apostles, right, I call you friends, and you are my friends indeed, if you do whatsoever I command you. <laughs> you know, I just like that. I bring that out saying, it's interesting, I've heard that throughout my Christian walk where even hear a lot of songs talk about that, you know, he's our friend, and that's true. But he himself said, you are my friend, if you do whatsoever I command you. In other words, just like he's telling them, right, you are my people, and I've called you to serve me. So if you're not serving me, right, you're not my friend, and you're showing, you're showing in that, that we don't love him. But I, I just saw it, it's interesting to talk about that. we got to see where the nation was at at this time, the nation as a whole, you know, from their leadership all the way down. When we look through his word, and you just go back real quick, in, in chapter 1, right, they showed their lack of love. They questioned the Lord's love. They didn't believe that he loved them. You got down to verse 6, right, they were not showing him honor, and they didn't fear him, and they despised his name. And, of course, they didn't accept that reproof. You know, they had deceived themselves and, and had gone so far astray, right, you know, they questioned that. You know, wherein? You know, what do you mean? What do you mean we despised your name? And then we go on and we see that in their offerings, right, they're bringing the lame and the sick. They're even, they're even, you know, some people were even robbing others, taking from others and bringing it to him. And he tell them from their heart, they knew they didn't put the Lord highly. They didn't think of him highly because he even shows them they knew that, 
because they never offer what they are offering to the Lord for, to, for the forgiveness of sin, they wouldn't even dare offer to a worldly leader. And, you know, we saw it in, in two, just the words that he used. They deal treacherously with one another, right? They despise the Lord. They bring dishonor to his name. They profane his table. They're wearied by the thought, by their service of the Lord, even though in actuality he was showing them over and over again, but you're not serving me. You know, your heart's far from me. If you're serving me, you know, you'd bring me the best. You know, you'd, 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 you'd show me honor. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't profane my table. But let's just pick up in 3.13. Before I do, I'll just ask, you know, we've been in Malachi for a while now. Does anyone have any comments or any, any thoughts, questions, anything you'd like to say? Okay. Let, let's go, <clears throat> let's just read on Malachi, starting, Malachi 3, starting in 13. Your words, and keep in mind, I want to say one other thing before I read this. Remember, even after this rebuke, even before it, even in the middle of it, he says, right, return unto me, and I'll return unto you. You know, in other words, start doing what is right, start doing what you know to do, what I showed you in my word to do, then I'll return to you and I'll start blessing you again. Because, you know, we've talked about that, you know, when back at the end of chapter 2, right, they see, you know, they, they see all this uh, good going on around them, and they're wondering, they're really upset, and they're wondering why the Lord doesn't seem to be blessing them. And he's telling them they're not being blessed because they're just in sin. They're not following his word. He's not doing what he told them to do, and therefore they're, they're being cursed just like he said they do. But they don't see it that way because starting at 13, your words have been stout against me, are hard, you know, hard, resol resolutely against me, obstinate, right? Saith the Lord. And what's their response? Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? You know, I've done a lot of thought about that, and it's interesting. So, in their hearts, in their hearts, at least, and between one another, the Lord knows these are the thoughts they have, and these are the things they say. You know, when they're, when, when they're away, when they're by themselves, when they're whatever. The main thing about it, right, he, the Lord always knows our hearts. He knows every single thing we do. He knows every single thought we're having. He knows the sincerity or insincerity of our hearts. And you know, as he says, yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? And this is what they thought, and I'm sure many of them talked amongst themselves when they're away, maybe in private, away from the gathered service, away from maybe walking around, acting like I'm serving God. <clears throat> you have said it is vain to serve God, you know, right? Worthless. It's worthless to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, right? We, what are we gaining from it? Where are these blessings that we're supposed to have? And that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts, right? So they're even going on in this show. You know, I read a lot of the commentaries. Most commentaries agree back in that time. You look throughout the Old Testament, right? They, 
They'd sometimes go fasting and they'd, you know, sometimes throw on sackcloth of that, showing that, you know, here I am serving the, serving the Lord mournfully and I'm doing all this. But again, their heart wasn't in it, right? They were grossly in sin. They, you know, the way they were, I mean, they were marrying idolaters, putting out their own wives, dealing treacherously with one another, and they despised serving the Lord. They despised his offering, they despised his table, and yet they don't see it. They don't see it that way. They expect it to be blessed, and they and they were they couldn't understand why it is, because remember, we look at it before, you go back in Malachi 2, right away when he was talking, you know, they were marrying these foreign wives, and when you look at that, that's always right, wives that worshipped another god. And that was a strict prohibition. And then they were putting out their first wives, and he comes along, and he tells them, I'm not following that. Uh, should I have this minute? <laughs> I lost my place here for a minute. Uh, he was not answering. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Down in uh, 2.13. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with crying out. Because remember that, and they, they they were being cursed, right? Their their crowd said they weren't they weren't prospering, right? And they they were actually receiving for their sins. They were they were in judgment. They were under judgment. In so much he regardeth not the offering anymore, or receiveth the good will at your hand. And if you remember, we talked about that before. You go back throughout Scripture, except especially Isaiah, right? Away with your offerings, right? A, a, away with your false worship of me. I will not regard it. I will not take it. I've, I've had enough. And even though he's not receiving their offerings, he's not receiving their prayers, he's not answering them according to what they, they want, right? They're under judgment because they're in grave sin. And they've gone, they've gone greatly astray. Verse 14, yet you see, wherefore, wherefore, right? Why won't you? They just won't see it. They would not accept and did not see, they deceived themselves so much that they, they just would not accept the Lord's reproof, and they, didn't under, they wouldn't receive it and could not see. In their hearts, they felt that they were serving God. And, he, and time and again, God showed them they weren't, and then therefore their prayers weren't being answered. Therefore, they weren't being blessed, but they would not accept it. They would not see that they were in grave sin. Verse 15, and now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. It's no really, you know, different. What they're saying is, you hear that a lot. People are looking around, right? They're, they're not getting anything out of serving the Lord. They don't see any benefit from serving the Lord. And they're looking around at these, these people that don't call themselves by the name of God. And they're apparently prospering. And doing well. And so just like at the end of chapter 2 when they were saying, well, where is this God of judgment, right? God's, God's not judging them. These people are doing well. We're not. We're serving the Lord. What benefit is of there? So, and that's why he says they've been stout against me. Back in chapter 2, right? They're wearying him, right? They will not accept reproof. 
and they will not turn from their wicked ways, you know, for, and, and if they did so, he even tells them, then I will start to bless you again. Go ahead, Dean. I'll say it again. It's interesting because when we see this again, you know, we see this was always a problem in Israel, right? God would bless them. God would greatly multiply them. You know, God set his love on them. Continue, right, over and over again, they'd sin. They'd fall into grave sin because sin always leads to more sin. They would call upon the name of the Lord. They would repent momentarily. God would bless them again. He'd recover them. He'd deliver them. And then we read on just the very next generation. It won't be too long at all. They'd be back into sin again. But turn to Psalms chapter 50. In Psalms chapter 50, starting in 16. And even though, right, all of Israel, he set his covenant grace upon them, right, and called them, but we're always showing, right, that we're always called God has his remnant. And we're going to see that in the very next verse we read Malachi. But I want to read this first about what he's been saying about these people that he's been addressing through the whole book of Malachi so far. And see if this rings true about them. Verse 16, but unto the wicked God saith, what hast, thou to do, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth. So those people saw themselves, called themselves and believed themselves to be people of God, right? children of God. But God didn't see it that way. What does he say? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and casteth my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with him. How can I compare that today? Hey, sin's okay. <laughs> hey, buddy. You're, you're, they're hanging around. They, they have no problem with seeing people, you know, committing sin. It's, it's no problem to them. And has been partaker with adulterers. So even if they're not, you know, committing adultery, they got no problem with the people who are. They'll hang around with them. Then we hear the same thing now even, <laughs> even in the SBC when we, I remember the day, and Bev, I remember you, you were here, but when we had a taco, when we finally left the SBC. And before that, right around the same time, we had one of their missionaries who we supported come to us and he was basically that that's what he told him there their message was hey when's the last time you had a muslim in your house 
you know, well, you know why, why is it not? And this is on their own teaching. You can look up on their own websites and that. Hey, you know, the problem today is people become Christians, and within a year, all their friends are believers. They're, you should be hanging around with unbelievers. You should go on the softball teams. You should do all this. What is this, right? Friendly, easy believism. And then he told us this story about this guy who came to Christ, you know, but he still lived as a Muslim. But that was a good thing. I mean, he, he said the prayer. Watering down the word of God, going away from the word of God, not knowing who God is, because also the scriptures tell us, right, if you know him, you'll keep his commandments. Right? And if you love me, and, you know, we know him through his word and that, but really, if you are his, right, if you are one of his children. But these people were, you know, declaring his statutes, declaring his laws, you know, right, taking his covenant in the mouth, saying they were God's children, believing it to be so. <clears throat> Verse 19, Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother, thou slanderest thine own mother's son. You go back to these people in Malachi, right? They're, they were treating others treacherously. <laughs> they're robbing from others. Some of them were robbing to even bring their, their offerings unto the Lord. Even their sin offerings unto the Lord. Now think about that. Think about how, how much, how the depths of the sin they had fallen into, that you were committing sin to get your offering so God would forgive you that sin. It's, it's kind of hard to believe, you would think. But it happens, it happens a lot. Verse 21, I remember the first time I sit, I read this and really thought about it, but these things hast thou done, and I kept silence. So to these people, right, he hadn't answered. He hadn't judged. You know, we saw that in, in the end of chapter 2 when he said, oh, you're seeking thy judgment? Why am I not judging right I'm, I'm, I'll come. And he, he talked then about the, Lord, the Lord's coming, right? He'd send John the Baptist first and the Lord would come. And, uh, and eventually then he even talks then about in the very end too when he comes back and then judgment. And he said, oh, it, it'll come. But you're not going to like it if you're not serving me. <clears throat> I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. And really, I think that just speaks volumes to where the church is, the general professing church today. From the pulpits, the books they write, everything, it's watered down. It's more to the point of leaning on our own understanding. We think God, you know, since these people are in debts of sin, is just like one of us you know where you know we have weaknesses in that it's almost like well maybe god does you know he, he he's still winking the eye at sin he's still you know just imagine to it i mean how disdainfully they thought of god these people here he's writing in the psalms and the people in malachi how disdainfully they thought of him really just no love no heart for God, no reverence for God, nothing. But going through the motions, deceiving themselves, right? Deceiving and being deceived. 
but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. In other words, right, I will judge. Now consider this, ye that forget God, right, that go away from his ordinances, that, right, just go, go away from him and, and don't follow him. Lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. The conclusion of the matter, whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. I'll just bring this back for a minute, right? And I want, and you know, we we'll talk about these things all the time. The sacrifice has been given for sin, right? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And those of us that have believed on him and trusted him for our salvation were safe and were secure. But these people were just going through a show. They, you know, they they count on that thing too. What was what's the difference? What's the difference between these people and a true Christian? And someone who's a Christian. Go back to Malachi before I say anything else, and we need to have this in our minds when before talking anymore about it. Verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake off one to another. There's the difference. A reverential fear of God. And it's interesting, I read some in uh, Kelvin, for instance, and I'll, I'll be honest, and until I did a lot of study on this, I, I heavily leaned along with Kelvin's thoughts about it, that these were, you know, people that were convicted of this, and they were repenting. And that, I'm sure there was some of that, because, I mean, the Lord knows the hearts and people repent. But the vast majority of commentaries falling apart when you keep the whole thing in context. Remember, he was calling for repentance. These people were continually right. Every single time he pointed a sin to them, they denied it, and they didn't even see it. So all of a sudden there's repentance in here. Or what he's saying is, though the nation as a whole, generally speaking, by and large, has gone apostate from God, is not following God, is doing wickedly, he has his remnant. There's those that fear God, show him reverence and, and love God. Because they spake often one to another. It tells me another thing too, just like in the New Testament, what's one of the graces he shows us, right? Gather in fellowship. Speaking one to another, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to God. Believe these people saw it. They lived in a real wicked time. They saw that the vast majority of, let's say, the professing people of God were living wickedly, or at the very least, right, were obviously not walking with God, but they feared him. They often talked about God between themselves. And I like uh, Jerome in speaking about this, and many of them agree with him. Many of the commentaries I read going on in the 16th and 17th centuries agree with him that, you know, we won't know what they said, but we're all coming to God's just with sending these judgments that are upon us and the further judgments that will come. It's just, you know, we're to live for him. You know, he's a just and holy God. He's righteous in all his ways, and... I believe that because the rest of Scripture says the same thing. And there's a difference between the vast majority of the church today 
right? Basically, right? I mean, I, I've heard it. I've known people to myself when you, we've had people that left this very church. Basically, when you talk about God judging and God on that, right? Well, that's a downer, right? That's not a good thing. I had a person tell me in my face, well, my wife's face, right? We know her, but she didn't say the exact thing to me, but things just like it. That's not the God I serve. And when I heard it, I go, yeah, I know. You know, if you, right, because God changes not. He already said the day of judgment's going to come. Now's the time of grace. Grace has always been here. It was even here and that. What is it? Repent, right? When, when we fall, I've always called you to trust in me, to love me, to follow me. And when you find yourself, when I chastise you, when, when, when I put judgment upon you in that, it's only in hopes, right, of them repenting. But if they won't repent, and he told them very plainly at the start of chapter 3 here, oh, I'm coming. I, I'm, I'm coming, but you who live wickedly, you're not going to, it's not going to be a good day for you. You know, because they were, they were saying, why, why does he keep holding his judgment? But what I liked here, well, before I go on and say anything else, does anyone have any questions or comments? Mike? And you know, and right, it is the grace of God we are saved. And it is by grace, he tells us, right, you know, we could read in it back in Ezekiel, right, he'll purposely, right, take out that heart of stone and put it in the heart of flesh. He said we're walking in a heart of stone. Now I'm sure as he always does, he has his remnant, and it, those of his remnant repent when they're rebuked. Repent, it truly does mean to turn away. Right? You, you, I mean, we can confess our sins unto him all we want, but are we turning from them? <laughs> are we turning from them? But here's the part that really I, I really like, right? He says, Then they that feared the Lord spake off one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. You know, and you get, you get some, you know, we, I mean, we know there's a book of life, and, you, and those of us that are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, right, I mean, you know, the, God's sheep, God's, God's people, right? But, well, I, I, I don't believe that's, that's not the book he's talking about. God has books, God remembers our works. That's how to determine our rewards. It, turn to Psalms 56. And there's a few places here, but, you know, I think it's kind of obvious that he's not talking about, you know, the book of life, though everyone, you know, I mean, you know, all of us, if we trusted on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, are in that book. But 
Psalm 56, verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? So what book is that? Uh, go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verse 10. And this is, well, I've got to read verse 9 because, you know, I just, you know, this is such, such a great passage of scripture here. But I beheld till the thrones were cast down, right? The thrones of the wicked, right? And the ancient of days did sit, hallelujah, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, millions. And ten thousand times ten thousand, tens of millions, right? <laughs> Stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books, plural, were opened. Right. And last place, just go on to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. This is, you know, the after the judgment, after the final judgment. This is the final judgment. Verse 12 of chapter 20 of Revelation. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that are written in the books according to their works. So in these books, if you're not in the book of life, you're going to be judged according to what's written in the other books, your works, your works. But how do the works apply to those of us that have been, that he has saved, that he has called, that he has set his love upon, that he's set his special love upon? Well, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three, verse ten. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Right? We know the gospel. Right? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Right? Jesus Christ, the Lord, God in the flesh, God the Son, and he died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. Amen? That is the foundation of Christianity. The foundation is Jesus Christ, his person and his sacrifice. Now, he's speaking to people that believe that. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, right, all good things, Wood, hay, stubble, right? All worthless things. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. What day is that? The day, the day of judgment. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort of it, of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. 
If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, right? He sh he he'll lose rewards, right? There's things he won't he, he won't gain, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I always talk about this. I always mention, what is being saved yet as by fire exactly mean? And I can tell you this. I don't exactly know. But I would imagine this. Someone described it, one pastor, long ago, described it like you getting into heaven with your coattails on fire. You know, back in the day, they had those coats with the long, and they had long tails on them, but it'd be on fire. You know, you're in, but you have no to very little rewards. And there's the thing about it, right? It, it's the gospel being presented today is basically, right? Hey, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's all you have to do. Live your life as you please. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. God loves you. He has a special plan for you. You know, how you live doesn't matter. When, though, we always preach here, right, a balance. And that's always been, you know, yes, the reform view, but it's always been the Bible's view. God's view in it, right? Just like in the Old Testament, right? They believed on God. Well, also follow me then. Serve me. You know, I talk about this all the time. You know, Ananias and Sapphira, I believe we're believers. The fact that God struck them dead early in their lives doesn't mean they weren't saved. It doesn't mean they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. If they were saved, he just he took them. Because he was making a point, right? They were they were lying, they were misrepresenting themselves, and he wanted to make a point. You know, when we read throughout Scripture, places and times where God took His people because they did some violation that the Lord, and we know He's always just, He decided to make an example out of them at the time. But that doesn't mean they weren't saved. Remember, we're told in 1 Corinthians 11, when talking about communion in the Lord's Supper, there were many there that you know, were, were, were gathering together just to throw some huge gluttonous party. And they weren't observing it, you know, for the great, awesome, awesome, somber, you know, re rejoiceful, that the true moment that it should be. You know, every celebration in the Old Testament, that was solemn. But it was a rejoicing. It was a remembering to God. It brought praise and glory to God's name. Well, so does when we celebrate communion. These people, they were not, right? So what he was saying, many were sick and some had died because, you know, believers, because they weren't. And my point is not saying we're all going to die in that, but he's always throughout that, right? If we're his, he calls us, Right, just like at the end of at the end of Psalms fifty, there, right? Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we come in here. So how can we apply it today? It's like always he's telling his people, just like in here, you read it. Examine ourselves. Examine ourselves according to the light of God's word. Where are we? What are we? Is there things we're we're doing that are pleasing God or the things we do that are displeasing God, you know, and to always examine ourselves and knowing 
we have a just and righteous and loving and forgiving God, but to remember to live for him. And that's the thing that's so absent today in the church. Then we're going to talk about God still hates sin. And he particularly hates sin in people who call themselves by his name. <laughs> because it profanes his name among unbelievers. Profanes his name. And we just always want to want to be careful and just judge ourselves. You know, it's interesting that he says, those who praise offerings praise, but however people think of me, whether they think, you know, I'm a I'm a good Christian, and then in the end, people's opinions are how they think I am, how I present myself. So I might think I'm getting away with something. What does God think? What does God think of what I do, what I say, what I think? You know, my, all my actions. Because that's, in the end, is the only thing that really matters. Right? Because God knows our hearts, and he knows the reasons behind everything we do. Uh, in that, I just like that, those that feared the name, right? That reverential fear. That reverential fear is so important when we examine ourselves. Do we have a reverential fear of God? I mean, that, that, that fear, you know, we, we know we're, we're in Christ now. We're in Christ now, and we need not fear his wrath, his wrath, of being cast into the lake of fire. But do we have reverential fear to for him you know do we do we question uh you know it whether it's we're offering him praise maybe and it's our giving it's it's how we're uh treating our <laughs> are treating our brothers and sisters in the lord how we're representing god to the world do we take all those into account and do we put them upon you know the overall thing lord is this pleasing to you is what i'm doing pleasing to you and it's, all, it, it's always a good thing to always check ourselves according to his revealed will. He's revealed to us what pleases him. He's revealed to us plainly what displeases him. <clears throat> Verse 17, and they shall be mine, right, those that fear him and thought about his name. I'm sure we're thinking about his name. We're thinking how glorious he is. You know, th thinking of his greatness, his that he's almighty, that, that he's gracious, he's long-suffering, he's holy, and all these things. And they thought reverentially about this and highly about him. And that's what we're to do when you see the days approaching, right? But we're to gather together. We're showing the New Testament in Ephesians and in Colossians, right? Build ourselves up in the Holy Spirit. What's that, right? Reading the word, gathering together, encouraging one another, speaking of the Lord. One of the greatest ways of encouragement we can have is through our worship of songs with him and our uh, think meditating on the scripture, but also speaking about God to one another. These people, God, remember that. They spoke amongst themselves about God. And God heard that, and it pleased him. Verse 17, and they shall be, he, you know, he, a book of remembrance was written before him. Just we read Right back there in Psalm 56, you know, these tears that this saint was having. He said, they're in his book. He remembers that. He, he's pleased and he looks upon when his people, you know, are thinking about him, thinking of their ways, thinking of their steps. 
You know, I mean, we're not perfect, but we, we all put it this way. We're saved. We're not saved by works. But if we're saved, right, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, right, since God has saved us, since he's miraculously, graciously, lovingly forgave us our sins in Christ and justified us and adopted us into his family, then we live righteously before him, right? We follow that first and second, you know, the first and second great commandments, you know, Jesus taught him, right? The first one, the first table of the law, right? Love the Lord thy God with thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. The second is like it. Love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Upon this rests all the law and the prophets. So everything else we read, you can just put upon that, that big general scope. Am I... Am I loving the Lord in what, am I, in what I'm doing? Is because of what I'm doing, is it because of my love and reverence for God? <clears throat> and he remembers. You know, we're told that throughout Scripture. Right? He remembers. He'll never forsake us. We're always with him. You know, he loves us with a great, great love. Verse 17, back to verse 17. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And what I like in that, when you look up that jewels... Now, in the Vulgate, in the Septuagint, and in the Aramaic, that says, when uh, I make up my peculiar treasures. <laughs> that's the way they translated it then, and that's the way it was translated in the, in the translation that Calvin was using. I find that very interesting, right, because... We're told in the New Testament, right? And in the Old Testament, they're told too, right? I'll make you mine when I make up mine. You'll be a peculiar treasure unto me, right, when we're with him. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. You know, he's talking about, right, he, he always remembers his old, right? The old, old Testament saints and we now, right, all saved by grace through trusting in God. They trusted in the coming. They trusted in his his grace and his mercy toward them, and they look, they look toward the Savior. Now we can look back. The Savior has come, and the debt's been paid, but we're still supposed to live before him all our days. All right? And then verse 18. Well, we'll I think we'll get into verse, verse 18, but I want you to think on this. It's interesting because keep in mind, I, I'd encourage everyone to read for next week, but we put the chapter block in there. He goes back to 18, well, chapter 4 is right involved in that, but just think what he's saying in 1 and 2. And in 18, he's talking to them when you, right, because he's, he's talking about judgment, because remember, he started out the chapter talking about, you know, talking about he's going to come and he's going to judge, right? And then there'll be those, because of his judging, that will be refined and serve him, right? And then there's those, right, he'll, he'll, he'll judge the wicked, and it'll not be good for them. But then he comes back saying, because these people were talking about it's vain to serve God. No, then, then you will see. There's a difference. He rewards us, his servants. And the ultimate reward, right, is the fact he's given us eternal life. And he'll remember, he'll remember us, right, and, you know, as he said, right, give us the kingdom. And those that don't serve him, Will, will, will not, right? They will not be rewarded. They'll be rewarded according to their works. Uh, I better stop there. Does anyone have any questions or comments? 
Okay. Let's think of just, you know, just for next week. You know, I, I just think on that, but I'd really go back to if you, you, you almost have to take chapter three and read it right into chapter four, but especially, you know, verses one and two. Because in many ways, just like in Psalm 50, you saw there, he's talking about, he's, he's calling his people, right? Serve me. Those of you that are my people, serve me, right? Trust in me, walk with me. You will be rewarded. You will not be disappointed. But those of you that are wicked, right? Repent of your ways or when I come, I will finally show you my judgment that I've been holding back on. Okay, with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your great grace and loving kindness and long-suffering and mercy that you continually show us.